With the 13th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another combine edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. Chris McPherson joined alongside Fran Duffy. Fran, I feel like we just taped one like two hours ago, it feels like, practically. Uh, it, it's, it was certainly about uh, 15 hours ago. Okay. So it's good to be back. and uh, To be so exact all the time, Fran, seriously. Know, it's been so long. But here we are from Radio Row at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. Much, much different. Yeah, so... Because of uh, Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman speaking with the media yesterday, you know, kind of a later night for us, so we filmed the podcast at the hotel. Today we are on Radio Row at Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, much different setup. You can just see the buzz of everything going around. You can't see it out there, but we can feel the buzz, and we hopefully will send it over to you guys listening. And uh, once again, however you are consuming our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher, thank you very much. For the support, make sure to rate and comment and let us know what you want to hear on podcasts. In the future, we have a tremendous show for you once again today. Our Draft Buzz segment is going to get into some of the latest news and notes. Uh, Quarterback weigh-ins and measurements were taken today. That became a funny story, one that we actually shared on the podcast last night. uh, Became a big thing today. Uh, A couple scouting reports on some players from some analysts. We'll delve into those. Our pick six, uh, it's wide receiver preview day for us, so we'll look at six receivers who could be of interest to the Eagles. Uh, On the clock, our game today is an over-under. We're going to have some prop bets about uh, where some guys might get drafted, how many players at certain positions will be drafted in what rounds, and we'll have your questions, some good ones from Twitter in our draft mailbag. But we're actually going to kick things off with our Mr. Relevant executive VP of Football Operations, Howie Roseman. Fran, you had a chance to go one-on-one with them. Uh, what were you looking to get out of the interview? You know, I think really what I wanted to get out of it was a general sense of the process. And uh, the, when, I, when I say the process, I mean the, this chunk of the evaluation process here at Indianapolis, at the NFL Scouting Combine, and, and not just the tests, but you know, when you talk to these players one-on-one in the interview setting, uh, what you get from the medical standpoint as well. I wanted to get a, a piece of that and the differences between what you see here and then what you get to see down at the senior ball from talking with these prospects. So really just wanted to get a, a little chunk, a little piece uh, of the puzzle here with, with Howie. Look at that. So Fran chipping away, learning about the ins and outs of what goes on at the NFL Scouting Combine, his one-on-one with Howie Roseman. Check it out, everyone. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Here now with Eagles Executive Vice President of Football Operations, Howie Roseman. Howie, last week you were on the Eagles Live podcast with Dave Spadaro. This week you're on the, the Journey to the Draft podcast. You're a podcast veteran at, at this point. How's it, how's it feel to be out here in Indianapolis? It's great. It's great to be back out here and um, with our whole staff. You know, we have so many people out here like yourselves, like your group. You know, for all of us to be together wearing that logo, it's an exciting time of year. This is, it's interesting, the Combine, because I feel like a lot of fans, a lot of media, some people say it's underrated and it, you know, it's, it's, you know, maybe it's not as big part of the process. And then other people say it's, it's huge, it's a really big part. So somewhere in between, how, how big of a chunk of the overall draft evaluation process is the Combine? Well, it's a really big part of the process. Uh, the medical part is the most important part sure. of it right now. You know, our training staff, our doctors led by Chris Peduzzi, they're out here. They're really giving us, the, for the first time, they get their hands on these guys so they can give us great insight into that. Um, our ability to communicate with the players, to get with them. You know, the more you get to know someone, the better insight you have into that person. So being able to do that and then seeing them live. You know, some of these guys, our coaches, our scouting staff, people in our front office, we haven't seen them live. So when you see a guy throw for the first time, when you see a guy run for the first time, you know, you see their body type for the first time, it all adds to the process. What is the hardest part of this process? I feel like, you know, there's (laughs) the the projection part of, you know, schematically and X's and O's is tough. Obviously the human element and, and dealing with a person personality and their work ethic is always tough to project. What is the toughest part of this whole process? Well, you hear it all the time. It's an inexact science. Yeah. You know, what does that mean? Well, part of it is 
getting to know someone, you know, trying to really figure out who they are because you get 15-minute increments, and then they're on their best behavior. So it's like, you know, 50 first dates. And then at the same time, are you drafting an athlete in shorts or are you drafting game tape? And so all that kind of goes into the process and then making sure they fit in your system, in your city, in your scheme, with your organization and the culture that you're trying to build. How hard is it for the coaches at this point in the process? You know, obviously, the scouts and a lot of the personnel have, have gotten a chance to see these guys and see them in person on campus. When the coaches meet them for the first time, whether it's at the Senior Bowl or here, to outweigh, you know, personality-wise, the kid's a great kid, and then they get to watch him and they see him go through drills and they see him on tape. Is it almost hard to kind of say, look, we, we know what he can be off the field. We don't want to get too much involved with the personality, or is it the other way around? Well, I think that's where you rely on your scouting staff. Yeah. You know, these guys who have been in their areas, who know these guys, and a lot of times when you go see a kid here, you've seen him since he's a freshman or a sophomore in college, and so it's not really your first exposure. But for them to be able to say, hey, I know what this guy's really about. I have really good relationships at this school. I've seen this guy in his environment. He's a really good kid. Well, we have to defer those opinions. Those guys are the experts in that area. How much of the combine is, is a surprise and how much of it is almost a confirmation for obviously all the scouts are putting in so much work throughout the fall. Is it more one or the other? And if it's a surprise, where do the surprises typically come from? A little bit of both. Uh, you know, there's always a, an opportunity when you come out here to see someone and go, wow, I didn't realize he had that kind of length. I didn't realize that he had that, those big hands. You know, I didn't realize that he'd run that or test that way or jump that much. And so I think that's part of it. And it goes the other way, too. Go, man, I didn't see that on tape. You know, I thought that guy had unbelievable explosiveness. Now you're not seeing it in the testing. So you have to weigh all those things. But that's what makes it fun the next few days, the next week, because you get all those moments throughout the process where you're going, wow, I didn't realize that. Um, and you weigh it and you put it kind of all into the evaluation. And at the end, you come out with a great. It's interesting. Everyone in the media and the fans want to know, who are the Eagles meeting with? Who do they meet with at the Senior Bowl? And obviously, everybody, every team is when it talks with every player. And it's just a big part of the process. Throughout the course of your career here in Philadelphia, have there been any interviews that you've had with players that we've brought in that have stood out to you just in the past? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've had some interesting moments, you know. Um, and uh, some of them are just uh, kind of go into the – you see why our guys will talk about the background. and how he, Sometimes you'll, you'll have in a report different kind of kid, and you'll go, yeah. what does that mean? I yeah. don't understand. And then you meet him, and you go – Got it. Understand. So uh, I, I think that's kind of the fun of it. You're, you're meeting all these people. You know, you got 60 formals, but then you're around here and you're meeting all these other guys and just being able to observe them. And it, it's the same. You get here at the airport and you see a bunch of players coming in and you kind of wonder, do they know that people are watching them like right now? Um, so it, it's an interesting experience. We're really excited to be here and um, excited for the week. Well, how you're a busy man. I appreciate the time here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. Fran, uh, sort of like yesterday's podcast, you went one-on-one with Doug Peterson. I didn't have a chance to listen to the Howie Roseman one in advance, so I can't tell you if you did a great job or if it was a lousy interview. I, I actually was taking pictures of it you are. to promote on social. I was doing that when uh, you filmed the interview, but Thank I didn't, you. Really, didn't really listen in on it. Yes, so. I know. Thank I, you reviewed, I, I went over your questions, so you I mean, did. I knew what you were going to yeah, ask. Yeah, we, we went through the questions. And, you know, I, yeah. I helped you. That's sort of the process to learn more about the process. Exactly, that's exactly right. That's what it's all about. And our process is going to take us now to draft buzz. Uh, we're going to start off with our good friend Tony Pauline, his draft buzz column, which runs on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. It will not actually run this upcoming Monday. I was going to say each and every week during the draft season, uh, but with all the combine results taking place over the weekend he's going to do a review and a preview for us so but in his last draft buzz column he said a name to watch a quote unquote riser during the draft process at the quarterback position will be one Kevin Hogan out of Stanford yeah and it's interesting because you know you talk about Kevin Hogan and there are obvious limitations with him I think that obviously from a mental standpoint, that's, that's to me is his strength. And, you know, we heard from Austin Hooper, the tight end from Stanford earlier today, and he, he was at one of the podiums, and he was asked a question 
about Hogan, and he was just effusive in his praise for him, you know, and talked about how far along he is from the mental aspect. He taught Kevin Hogan would teach Austin Hooper how to run routes as a quarterback. And, you know, just a really cerebral player. That showed up a number of different times to me on tape. He actually alluded to a couple of them in his press conference, was, uh, Hooper did, in terms of going to the line, you know, Hogan being able to recognize something from the defense, change it at the line of scrimmage, and then attack downfield. And, and he did that numerous times. And look, I, Hogan is not an outstanding athlete. He's not, he doesn't have a great arm. He's got a solid arm, but he doesn't have a great arm. His release is, a, is, is an issue, and this is, that's the thing Tony hit on in that yes, piece. Yes, uh, he's been working with a longtime quarterback's coach, one who worked with Cam Newton in recent years, on shortening, quickening the deliveries. So. Yeah, because you know, with him, he'd keep that, the ball up near his breastplate, but he would drop it down near his waist when he would wind up to throw the football. And when you do that, you know, even if you throw with great anticipation, which he does, he was an anticipation thrower, showed the ability to work the pocket. And again, I really liked a lot of the mental traits that I saw with Kevin Hogan. But when you drop the ball to your waist and wind up like he does, it almost negates that anticipation because you're taking that split second that you're early is now gone because you've taken that extra split second to throw the football. So that was an issue at times with, with Hogan. And again, the, the, you know, that term of uh, repetitive accuracy, you know, can he consistently hit targets on the money with great ball placement? That was also a question. But from a mental side, I just look at Hogan and I see a guy that's going to stick in the league for a long time. I mean, tons of experience. Seemed like he was in college forever. He won more games than John Elway. <laughs> he won more games than Andrew Luck. He won more games than any Stanford quarterback in history. He was there for 10 years. Well, that's I mean, why. that's the, yeah, right. <laughs> you, win, you win 10 games a year, yeah, that's what happens. Uh, kidding aside, he had the tough task of following up Andrew Luck. Yep. A stellar career. Give him props for that. Um, easier to project because he played in a pro-style offense. Sure. Um, certainly can't say what he did. His last-minute heroics against Notre Dame at the end of this past season, um, but again, he led the Cardinal to a conference title. Was impressive down the stretch. So, certainly give him all the credit. And maybe he's one of those guys who isn't going to be a. He had a great college career, but he was never mentioned as a Heisman candidate or anything along those lines. You didn't think he was the top guy at the college level, but maybe he's a guy who will transition and be a better pro quarterback. Yeah, it's very, very possible. And again, there, there's the limitations there, but. Like I said earlier, he just has the look of a guy that's going to stick in the league for a long the time. Uh, next up here from Pauline's Draft Buzz column, Florida wide receiver Demarcus Robinson would have been, and you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, would have been, or I guess he could still be technically, but would be a top 15 pick based off the game tape. But some off-the-field concerns are going to drop him down. How far that remains to be seen. But I know Harry Roseman talked about, you know, with the media, yesterday about you know how there's certain things that are going to take you off the board it's you got this is what the interview process is for you yep. got to find out what transgressions they did whether there's a sign of remorse was it just a sign of immaturity have they grown up have they learned from it or is it a is it a red flag that's just so big that you got to take them off your draft board altogether yeah and look coming into the year and he's had issues throughout his career at Florida but coming into the year in the junior class, there were a lot of big names at the receiver position. I had Robinson at the top of the list, to me, coming into the year because he showed a lot of coming into this year or coming going into this season. Coming into this season. Coming okay. into the season because he showed really impressive separation quickness at times. Showed the ability to be a very good route runner. He's got the athletic ability to be able to succeed in the NFL level. He showed the ability to get off press coverage. He showed good hands. There were some focus drops downfield, but a guy that showed the ability to get open consistently. He's got solid size, but the issues were just the off-field. I mean, you could almost get on two hands how many times he was suspended during his, in his three-year career. He was suspended four times in one season. Just lots of issues there with Robinson, and that will be a big part of where he's drafted. And I, I would agree with you. know Maybe he wouldn't have been a top 15 pick, but I think he would have been in the first-round discussion. I really do. If you had said, if you had told me that he was aces away from the football field, that he was everything that you need to be uh, as a professional, future professional football player, yep. I would have said this kid looks like he's going to be a first-round pick. And I think Robinson has a great deal of ability. Uh, he's a smooth athlete again, and I, I just I, it's a shame that he had those issues. We'll see if he can overcome them. Read those notes. Yeah. Read that scouting report, friend. I'm telling you. Children's books coming your way this fall. <laughs> Fran's scouting notes. Thank you. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, 6'1", 203 pounds. 
I forget, Fran, if we were talking about this on the podcast yesterday or was this something that, you know, walking back and forth from the hotel and the conference center about how there are certain positions where character is more important. I think it was this morning. It was this morning. This morning. We yep. were in the hotel room for breakfast. How character is important across the board. Again, there are certain things that you're just never going to be able to ignore altogether. But it seems like at certain positions you need more of it than others. Yeah. And maybe wide receiver is a position where you don't need as much. When you look at most teams, it's rare where the, the wide receiver. And I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but it's rare that the wide receiver is like your leader, your franchise guy, the sure. guy you know, who sets the tone for the entire football team. You know, and I think when you look at character, I think that you could almost split it up into two. Much like you talk about toughness, and you could split that up in a couple of different ways. I think if you look at character, you could split that up in a number of different ways. And to me, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, away from the field, you know, is there the, the trouble in terms of getting in trouble with police and, uh, you know, in terms of legal trouble? Yeah. You know, how is he in terms of working with his teammates and things like that, the personality-wise? Of course. But then to me, there's also the football character. You know, is he a leader? You know, how is he in the weight room? How does he practice? Things like that. And to me, those are two very separate things because there are guys that have gotten into lots of trouble, you know, off the field, made some mistakes. But since they were hard workers and, you know, they, they really worked to improve their craft and get better in the weight room and they were able to overcome some of those issues and they showed the maturity to be able to do that. If you have a guy that's bad in both, you know, doesn't give great effort in the weight room and it's yeah. kind of lackadaisical that way and also gets into trouble off the field, then that's a that's, huge red flag. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, that'll be, that remains to be seen with Robinson. It'll be an interesting case study to follow. I, I just look at guys in recent years, Tyron Matthew. Yep. the Cardinals. Exactly. That's a great example. Uh, Marcus Peters last year. Yeah. Big off-the-field character concerns, but have thrived. Yeah. And Matthew, Matthew's not Matthew's like a one-year Matthew's a great example. Wonder. Phenomenal example. Someone who's, you know, turned his life around. Yep. You know, Marcus Peters, you know, there are people, oh, you can't take him in the first round. Rookie of the year yep. on defense. So, it doesn't always work out. But of course. But it's, it's got to be, obviously, what what are you bringing him into? What's sort of the, the support system that you have? That's got to be in place. Um, but certainly if you have the right atmosphere, these guys could thrive. That's what, that's what it's all about is trying to weigh your factors, what's most important at every position on a football team. And it's interesting. That, that was why that discussion we had earlier was interesting yeah. in talking about how much does the, the character and the football characters, uh, you know, aspect of it really weigh in on different positions. The, co the conversation was because we were talking about defensive backs. Yes. And as you're going through your scouting report, you have some guys who are dinged for character, but you're kind of skewing it where athleticism, pure athleticism is more important. So it's kind of changing your rankings a little bit. And that was why I, was, I had a chance to talk with NFL Network's Charles Davis a short time ago. It's an interview that will air on the website in the coming days. Yep. That I asked him what's the most important trait for defensive back. He played at University of Tennessee, was in the NFL briefly, and he goes – toughness i was like not athleticism thinking it's going to be what you're going off of it's just like no that's that should be at this level that should be a given it's toughness that's going to define a defense i have it as a, one of my top three traits as well there you I, go. I, would, I, I would say that's i would agree all right so so I, i'm sorry off, off on a tangent but it's all right yeah uh so the weigh-ins for the quarterbacks receivers were today the big story with the quarterbacks the hand size that was the big that was a big topic of discussion man there. but brandon allen was able to get he, – he got to nine inches? Eight, seven, eight, reportedly. So I eight thought, seven, Oh, I eights. thought he got to nine. Yeah, I, I saw the way – the one I saw was eight, seven, eight. Really? Regardless, oh. he was below eight and a half at the senior ball. And Those the massage, massages. The massage therapy. The hand massages. There yeah. you go. That little bit of difference. Um, well, see, and this is the thing is that – and now everyone is saying, oh, this is ridiculous. Here's the thing with the hand size, okay? And it's, you could t say the same thing with receivers, and we're, gonna not, we're not going to talk about hand size with receivers. No. but you know, <laughs> I don't want to talk about hand size really I Well, I mean, because here's yes. the thing is that when you look at certain positions, and you could say it with the running backs as well, is anytime you're a ball carrier, if your hands are smaller, because there's a, a change in the football from the college to the NFL level. True. So if you have smaller hands and you have issues holding on to the football, as a quarterback, as a running back or a receiver at the NFL level, and your hands are small, that's a precursor to the fact that you may have those issues moving forward. Now, if you're a running back that has nine-inch hands or you're a receiver that has nine-inch hands and you don't have issues dropping the football or you don't have issues fumbling the football, 
then it's like, okay, well, if the, he's found ways to, to survive without it. Correct. Despite it. You know, and to me, that, that's, the, that's the big thing is if, if you're looking at a quarterback, and that's what everyone's talking about with Jared Goff, had a lot of fumbles this year. And I haven't looked at all the fumbles, so I don't know how many of them were just that, you know, the ball came out or if he was sacked and hit from behind and the ball popped out. Mm-hmm. But if you have lots of issues with fumbling and you have those small hands and the ball's only going to get bigger going to the next level, are you going to have that issue at the quarterback position as well? Your hand size also helps in terms of being able to grip the football and rip the football when you need to. And, and that's really what it comes down to for a quarterback. And it's cold weather and it's cold and it's tough to grip that football. Do you have the hand size to be able to hold on to it and then release it at the best velocity with the best accuracy? It's you're playing the odds. Yeah, that's, that's it. what it is with the trait. That's with all it is. Any physical trait is you're trying to play the odds. That typically receivers of this length, you know, we talked about the offensive lineman with the arm length. It's you're trying to play the odds. If there's someone who's phenomenal and can overcome it, great. But, you know, the old quote was if you just have a, you know, if you keep taking in exceptions, you're just going to have a team full of exceptions right. down the line. So, uh, interesting on that note, Teddy Bridgewater, a couple years ago, his hand size was a reported concern, nine and a quarter inches. Yep. Yet he's drafted by Minnesota, which plays in cold weather. Yep. And fumbling has not been a problem for him. And that's the thing. And, you know, a lot of people made a big deal because that's why Teddy wore the gloves. And I remember, oh, I remember, remember he wore, the, he wore the, gloves. the gloves and everyone made a big deal about the gloves. And so, you no know, I, it's, it's, yeah. it's something that people have been talking because that's what I've seen is like, oh, why is everyone making a big deal about this now? It's always been there. And that's the thing, too, that's interesting now that analytics has become a big part of the combine and really the, the draft process is that you have this huge pool of data now that teams can go back and look at with all of these tests and all of these measurements, and you can look and see what are the precursors to NFL success. And if you can set benchmarks, now you just that, that helps you eliminate players from your process, and that's really what it comes down to. All right, uh, let's see. Speaking of quarterbacks, Carson Wentz. Some mock drafts have the Eagles selecting him at number 13. There's a bunch that have him going in the top 10. He said that he definitely considers himself a franchise quarterback. And, you know, we've talked about Wentz on the podcast in the past. You know, tremendous two-year run at North Dakota State. Held his own at the Senior Bowl, which was the big question about, you know, can he play at at a bigger level of competition? Passed that test with flying colors. uh, But has the look of being a no-doubt starting quarterback yeah. in the NFL. Yeah, it definitely. Uh, he handled, I thought, the, the press conferences very well today. I mean, we saw a lot of the big quarterbacks speak. Yeah. Uh, we missed individual. I think we missed Paxton Lynch. Okay. But we saw Jared Goff. We saw Hackenberg. Yep. We saw Wentz. We saw Cardell Jones. We saw Connor Cook. We saw a lot of these guys speak, and I thought Wentz handled himself really well. Very well. Uh, was surprised. Some people were tweeting out the tallest at, and shortest at each position. The tallest quarterback is Paxton Lynch. Yep. The shortest, Travon Boykin, TCU. And I was shocked that it wasn't Vernon Adams, who I is – he is the – how do you describe his role here? He's, he's like the – He's a uh, – The throwing uh, quarterback. The throwing quarterback, Throwing quarterback. Yes. Okay, that's the role he's playing here at the Combine. I saw Vernon Adams speak. He spoke yesterday because he had to get in early to get a head start on being prepared for the drills. And I'm like, that's Vernon Adams? Yeah. And I'm like, my eight-year-old might be bigger than Vernon Adams. Yeah, right. I'm like, he, and to think that he's going to go out there and compete at the NFL, I'm like, you know, in, in previous years, I've seen Giant Manziel come through the process. You know, seen Russell Wilson come through the process, you know, the smaller type quarterbacks. And I don't think I was ever as alarmed as seeing Vernon Adams. And I didn't see Trevon Boykin. Yeah. So I'm thinking if, he, if Trevon Boykin's smaller than Vernon Adams, then yeah. Can't, can't imagine he's going to have a great shot. Yeah, and that's the thing. The it, and it's just like we talked about before. You look at the height for a quarterback, and that's used as a eliminator. Yes. You know, that's a, that's a, sure. Russell Wilson, outlier. Absolutely. Can he be – can uh, the, the answer that Vernon Adams is looking to make right now, is he another one of these outliers? You know, is he another one of those guys? And, that, and that'll be the question he'll have to answer. Uh, let's see. Let's go to this note here from uh, Sam Munson from – Pro Football Focus, uh, talking about Laquan Treadwell. Yeah, this was got the name right. Got the name right. You got finally. it. Nailed it. Uh, well, and this was from it. last week, I believe. This was okay. inter- this was very interesting note. That some people are comparing Treadwell to a Des Bryant, Michael Irvin type player because of his frame, but Munson says he looks more like Kenny Britt. 
Now, Eagles fans would say, we would love to have Kenny Britt because he's torched the Eagles <laughs> in the past. But the bottom line is that Treadwell is not – he shouldn't be in this top five discussion. should be more of a late first-round pick. Yeah, and that's – you know, I think it's an interesting discussion to have because I can't say that I'm all the way there yet on Treadwell being a top – 10, top 15 type talent at the wide receiver yeah. position. And I don't know if Sam was trying to make the comparison, you know, apples to apples of, hey, Laquan Treadwell really reminds me of Kenny Britt, or if he's just trying to say that Tread Treadwell is similar in the terms of level of prospect. You know, Kenny Britt was in that range, in, uh, you know, in terms of quality of prospect. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Treadwell, look, he's a big kid. He's, he's not lacking in confidence. Talked today uh, for the media and talked about, Several. I know the big the big quote was he was asked about which corners had given him the most trouble throughout his career, and he said, "I don't think anybody really gave me trouble. I wouldn't call any of them great." Uh, and he he went on to mention a couple. He mentioned Cyrus Jones from Alabama, a guy we saw at the Senior Bowl, and he said the big one was, and the Florida kid. And he took and he paused and he said, "Not Hargreaves, the the other, the younger one." And he's talking about uh, Jalen Tabor, who was a, a sophomore that we'll see next year, I'm sure, here at the combine, but. Uh, Treadwell, look, he's a big kid. I've compared him in the past to Alshon Jeffrey. He's not really refined as a player. He's not a dynamic athlete. We've talked about that in the past. We're not going to see him run this week, but we'll see him run at his pro day. And that's a big question with Treadwell. Yeah. He's got the size. He came in at 6'2", 221 pounds. Yeah. But what will he run in the 40? And what we discussed in the podcast yesterday, there's a big difference between, say, a 4'5 guy versus a 4'6 guy. The 4'6 might make it tough for a decision maker to take him in the first round. But even if it's a 4-5-9, at least you could say, well, he's a 4-5. Right. And so now here's – but here's the, the rub. If he's not a, a – we'll say if, if he's not a 4-5 guy. Let's okay. say he's a 4-6 guy, 4-7 guy. He's not – people will say, oh, he can't separate. He's not going to be able to separate from NFL defensive backs. And he may not be able to in terms of his feet and his foot quickness. And if a guy like that, I don't know that you can take very, very high anyway. But – just because he can't separate with his feet doesn't mean he can't separate with his length. We talk about the, the measurables here at the Combine. Treadwell came in with the fifth highest length, arm length for wide receivers at 33 and 3 eighths inches. 33 inches is a good benchmark in terms of, wow, that guy's got really long arms for the receiver position. He came in over that. He's one of those contested players that can go up and extend and re maximize his catch radius, go up and attack the football over def defensive backs, he did it consistently at the, at the college level in the SEC, you know, can he separate that way at the NFL level? And if he is, then he's got a role. So it'll be very interesting to watch. All right, so I think that's going to do it for this edition of Draft sure. Buzz. Uh, let's now transition to our pick six, six wide receivers who could be of interest to the Eagles. Now it's time for pick six. All right, so pick six, six wide receivers who could be of interest to the Eagles. You look at the wide receiver group coming into free agency. You know, Jordan Matthews, obvious stud. Question is, what will his role be in the new offense next season? He was a slot receiver in Chip Kelly's offense. You have Nelson Aguilar, last year's first-round pick. You know, didn't make great strides, didn't have a lot of production his first year, but still tons of room to grow, you know, a lot of potential there. Josh Huff, a player who I, I continue to be bullish on, has shown flashes. Maybe the new coaching staff will be able to develop and bring something out of him. Um, you know, Then you have guys like Jonathan Krause, guys who finished the year on the roster. Krause got some playing time late in the year. You know, They're going to have a chance to make an impact, to have a chance to compete for a roster spot. Um, but Riley Cooper was released this offseason already. Yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some roster spots to fill here, no question about it. So, Fran... Kick us off here. Six receivers <clears throat> who could be of interest. So one player that really intrigues me, and we haven't talked about him too much on the podcast, is uh, Rashard Higgins from Colorado State. And he's listed, listed by CSU, 6'2", 188 pounds, a little bit on the light side, but a really, really impressive player because he's a guy that has shown the ability at the college level to be a very good route runner. He's got some savvy to his game. He's got quick. And here's the one thing I love about Higgins is that, okay. well, there, really there's two things in terms of his – his quickness and his savvy. He's just as quick, just as fast with the ball as he is without the ball. Interesting. And that, that's something that I really, really like. And then also, he's a guy that works over the middle a lot, play, lines up in the slot, lines up on the outside, but almost never takes a big shot. You know, we said the same thing about Amari Cooper last year. 
Uh, and some people have compared him a little bit to Amari Cooper. Just you know, not obviously not the same level yes. of prospect, but in terms of the size and also. The, the route running, and I think that Higgins shows that. The one question I had about him coming into the year, he had some focus drops, especially early his sophomore season. Grew out of it a little bit as the year went on, so I wanted to see how would he improve this year in 2015, and I thought he really came along, was much more consistent at the catch point this past season. I think that he's got a lot of savvy to his game. I, I like Higgins a lot. I'll be interested to see where he ends up. I'll be interested to see how he tests this week as well. Uh, I didn't get a chance to hear him here at the Combine. Did he explain why his nickname is Hollywood? He did not. So I don't know. We'll have to find that out. That's a good question. Down the line. Uh, I'm going to start off with the most prolific receiver in the University of Pittsburgh history. Oh, yeah. And it's Tyler Boyd. It's my guy. You are a big Boyd fan. You're the one who first introduced me to him. He's someone who I think has gone very much under the radar during the draft process to this point. 6'1", 197, and I mentioned the records that he set. And, you know, you look at Larry Fitzgerald. Went to Pittsburgh, Antonio Bryant, you know, some quality NFL receivers went to Pittsburgh. Boyd has been more productive than those guys. Uh, very good hands catcher. Was used his role was different this past season. Had to be more he had to be used as a running back at times. Yep. Uh, had to be used as a possession receiver. Didn't really get to show his downfield ability as much because of the quarterback and running back play. Uh, but he was tutored by Greg Lewis and you know, he I asked actually asked Boyd, hey, what do you remember about Greg Lewis and just talked about how he taught him how to critique his craft was the quote that Boyd used. And uh, Lewis was very much about having the receivers be hand catchers. And Boyd was like, well, I was pretty good in that area, so I didn't really yeah. have to worry too much about that. Uh, can go over the middle, but I'll, I'll go with Tyler Boyd as a guy who, you know, maybe he could be a second-day selection, an early second-day selection. We know the Eagles don't have a second-round pick at this point, but – uh, someone who I think has gone underrated, under the radar. If, the he, if he fell to the third round and the Eagles were able to get him in the third round, I think fans would be able to hear my cries of jubilation from <laughs> inside the bowels of the Novacare complex. He, I, he's, uh, you know, we had uh, Mike Quick on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast a couple weeks back talking about receiver play and the difference between hands and ball skills. And he'd rather you want guys that have better ball skills than hands. He's got great ball skills, and he's got great hands. He's got the ability to go up and win at the catch point, knows how to shield defenders from the football. Just a really, really impressive player. I'm a big fan of Boyd. And another guy that also shows those ball skills is Deronya Wilson, the big kid from Mississippi State, a huge, huge receiver. Tallest receiver at yeah. the combine. Say he was listed 6'5", 225 pounds by, the, uh, by Mississippi State's website, and just a huge, huge kid. Came in 6'5", even 224 pounds here. I mentioned Treadwell's arm length a little bit earlier at 33 and 3 eighths. Wilson, 33 and 7 eighths. So even longer arms. Former basketball player, not just in high school. He was Mr. Mr. Basketball coming out of high school in the state of Alabama. Also played basketball for the Mississippi State football, uh, basketball team. Played in the SEC. And he, he actually he was a, a, a serviceable player for that team. Ended up converting full-time to, uh, to, uh, to the football team. Shows really good ability to just go up and win, you know, at the catch point. And in those contested situations, that's where he, that's his bread and butter, you know. And I think he's a little bit of a boomer bust guy. I think he's got some upside to him. Athletically, I'm very intrigued to see how he tests this week. And this could be a situation where you see a guy legitimately really help himself with his test scores because, you know, there are times where I wonder how good of an athlete he really is, how explosive he really is. And if he goes out and he tests really well in those in those uh, speed drills and in those agility drills, I think that'll go a long way because uh, he's got the ability to go up and win at the catch point consistently. I, I want to see the hands. He had some focus drops, and that's an issue. So he's a guy that's got great ball skills, but the hands, there were some issues there. He's a very intriguing player. I think that he's got the ability, at the very least, to come in and impact in the red zone. Is he an Afani Moma type player? He's bigger than Moma. Like in terms of just his bulk, I mean, Momo, you remember, was really skinny. Yes, you know now, but taller but leaner. Leaner. Yes. Now, some people may look at Wilson and say, maybe he's a developmental tight end. You know, at 225, that's not out of the question. No. We've, we've, there are some tight ends here. Uh, you know, you look at Th Thomas Duarte from UCLA. You look at Steven Anderson from Cal. Duarte came in at 231, just six pounds heavier. You know, and so I think that that'll be a, a very interesting discussion as well. Steven Anderson came in at 230. He was five pounds lighter. So uh, I think that will be an interesting discussion to watch as well. 
All right, my next guy, a uh, guy we talked about a lot during the in-season versions of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA, Sterling Shepard, the yeah. receiver out of Oklahoma, savvy advanced route runner for his age, for his progression, uh, 5'10", 194, slot receiver, over 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns as a senior, a willing blocker, can work the middle of the field. Uh, and everything I've read about him, tremendous character, leadership, uh, wears his jersey number, number three, in honor of his late father yep. who played in the NFL. Yep. Yeah, really interesting player. Had a good week at the senior ball. Very good route runner as well. You know, it shows the ability to be a very good route runner, I should say, uh, at the college level. Thought he had a good week down there in Mobile. So definitely a very interesting player. And, you know, I brought up Higgins earlier as a guy that I think could make an impact outside at maybe as a Z receiver and a typical pro-style offense. I think that Deronia Wilson, in theory, could be an X, that kind of possession guy at the next level. My last one is Malcolm Mitchell, who I think okay. is a guy that can really make an impact out of the slot. And Mitchell's a, a player that's really, really intriguing because of his movement. He's got really good athleticism. He's got the speed to beat you deep. I think he shows good separation quickness at the top of his route. Now, the thing is, is that he's only played the receiver position full-time for three years, was a former corner as a true freshman, played both ways, and then they decided, look, this guy's too much of a playmaker to keep him on the defensive side of the football. Let's keep him full-time on offense. Had some injury issues, and that's really the thing is, you know, he hasn't been able to stay fully healthy for too long. Great kid. Had a chance to talk to him down at the senior ball. Wrote some children's books during his time when he missed the entire season. Actually celebrating a Todd Gurley touchdown, he uh, tore his ACL celebrating a touchdown. Uh, in week one a couple of years back, but took the time off. You know, I, he, I think he went into a book club, and then he ended up – He really wrote, wrote children's wrote, books. Wrote a children's books. He, you know, maybe he, he can write my scouting notes, uh, children's <laughs> books. Uh, but Mitchell's a yeah, you know, high-character guy, really intriguing player. You know, he's got good size too, so uh, with that movement and that size, he's going to get looks. I should say Shepard's dad played at Oklahoma. Yeah. He didn't play in the NFL. So. I didn't know if he – I knew that he played at Oklahoma. Played at Oklahoma. I was, I, as soon as I said I was like, let me double-check that. So my apologies. He also lettered at Oklahoma. The last player on my list here, Leonte Carew, out of Rutgers, who played not too far from Philadelphia. Uh, someone who could have gone into the draft following the 2014 season, came back for 2015, uh, wasn't as productive, some injury issues, some off-the-field questions, but still scored 10 touchdowns despite the limited time on the field, earned third-team all-conference honors, uh, Fitch with 29 touchdowns in three seasons. Uh, knows how to get vertical. Average over 20 yards per catch the last two seasons. Uh, definite playmaker. Big frame body. Uh, someone who, look, you, you, you want to add a, a more vertical element to this offense. Um, he's someone who is not going to be in that first-round conversation, but someone who could legitimately be there for you on the second day if you're the Eagles. A, a, uh, a favorite of draft Twitter. Uh, for sure, is Laurente Crew and Leonte Crew, you know. And look, he's had, he's been very productive when he's been on the field, and he's had some off the field concerns. Uh, was suspended for a brief time this past season as a senior. Crew, interesting player, uh, and you had a chance to talk to him. Yes, the unofficial visit. I make my debut in the unofficial visit. There we go. Leonte Crew here from the combine earlier today. The unofficial visit. The unofficial visit. Hello, everyone. I'm joined here at the NFL Scouting Combine by Leonte Carew, wide receiver from Rutgers. And, Leonte, you had a chance to go into the draft last year. Your quarterback that you play with since high school, you were not going to be able to play with this season. So why did you come back for one more year? Uh, I just came back for one more year because I felt like it, it was the best thing for me and my family, you know, just to, you know, get an extra year of film and, you know, put a, put in another solid year in the Big Ten, you know, competing against the best teams in the country and, you know, going out there and giving my uh, my, my teammates a, a chance and an opportunity to, to have another playmaker like myself come back and, you know, try to do something that's never been done in the history of Rutgers and that's win the championship. So was it difficult not having the quarterback that you had all the way back to high school? Uh, I would probably say that spring ball was difficult, but, yeah. you know, being that um, I had a pretty hungry quarterback, you know, it was, he, he was, he was hungry and, and wanted to play as as a, uh, and, and start for this team really bad. So, you know, he was calling me every single day, Hey, let's get some extra work in. And we build a connection right away. You know, um, this past year, you know, we had 10 touchdowns, you know, I led the big 10 in touchdowns. So, you know, um, you know, his, our connection showed on the field 
I saw on a note from a scouting report that your body, your physique, is built similar to former Eagle Terrell Owens. Have you ever heard that or heard that comparison in the past? Uh, I, I never heard that comparison in, in the past. Uh, I've, I've heard since I've been here uh, kind of like Des Bryant. Okay. Almost, in a way. We uh, don't want to hear that one <laughs> in Philadelphia, but nonetheless. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah uh, Anquan Bolden, you know, type of body and, and things like that. But, um, you know, T.O. is one of my favorite receivers of all time, so that's pretty cool. Who are the guys that you model your game after? Um, I would say, you know, I've, I've always said that I, I've had, a, like, an Anquan Bolden type of body, but my favorite receiver is uh, Marvin Harrison, you know, just because of his catching ability. You know, I had three career drops. In uh, you know, four years that I've been playing, only dropped three passes, and you know, I like to resemble my hands like Marvin Harrison because I never seen him drop a pass, and he's my receiver, my favorite receiver. What's the secret to good hands? Um, just your eyes, you know, just really focusing in on the ball, and uh, when it leaves that quarterback hand, just you know, lock in and and making sure that you know, as soon as it touches your gloves, you catch it. So Leonte, what is your favorite type of play to make? Is it you catch a short pass? Are you able to use your yards after the catch ability to make a big play out of it? Or do you like going vertical and getting the deep pass? I like getting the deep passes. You know, um, I'm a receiver that can that can kind of do both. You know, I like to catch the ball and puncture and get upfield. But, you know, it's nothing like catching a deep pass over your se- over a defender, beating him in man press and, and blowing the top off and, you know, catching it deep. What are some of the, your former teammates from Rutgers who have been through the draft process? What have they told you to get you ready for it? Uh, they just, you know, told me that it, it, it's pretty much a mental grind. You know, just mentally, um, it's exhausting, and you just got to enjoy the process. You know, don't look at it. You know, there's going to be other guys here complaining and, and saying that they're tired and stuff, but you, you got to be that one guy that's excited to be here and, and blessed and look at this as, you know, the 1% opportunity that, you know, most guys don't don't get a chance, and you just got to take advantage of it and, and go out there and, you know, showcase your talent, but at the same time, tell your story and, um, you know, show these scouts your personality as well. Without the two more questions for you, who is the best corner you played against in college? Uh, the best Does that co- have to be this, this past year? Yeah. Could it be whole career? The best corner I played against uh, in college is Trey Waynes. You know, he got drafted um, pretty high last year. You know, he was, he was definitely a, a very talented athlete and, and challenged me a little. Last question. You're so close to being in the NFL. Who would you say is the one person who has helped you get there the most? Uh, the one person, you know, besides my family and friends that supported me, you know, tremendous support that I've gotten by them is definitely um, my wide receiver coach from high school and college, Anthony Campanelli. You know, he he uh, insisted and, and, and put, you know, a lot of toughness in me at a young age ever since I was 14 years old. And, you know, um, you know, he made a lot of days for me hard. And, you know, he challenged me as not only as a, as a football player, but as a man. And, you know, it, it paid off to this day. I, I owe, you know, a lot to that man, and I tell him every chance I get. Leonte Carew, wide receiver from Rutgers. Best of luck in the rest of the draft process. Thank you very much for joining us here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Thank, thank you. On the clock. Time for a little on the clock. Fran, do a little over-under. Over-unders. I like over-unders. All right, let's get this thing rolling. The uh, first one here. How many wide receivers will be selected in the first round of the 2016 NFL Draft? You go at two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half. You know, I think that when you look at the first round, and there's a few names that people are tossed around. You know, people are talking Treadwell from Ole Miss. You have Corey Coleman from Baylor, who we listen, we haven't talked about yet on this podcast. We heard we both listened to him speak mm-hmm. uh, earlier today with the media. You have Tyler Boyd, I think. Well, so you might as well pull out the quote. You asked him I did. about a specific quote that Art Bryles One of my said. favorite quotes I've ever heard a coach say about a player. Car, uh, he was asked about Corey Coleman's competitiveness was Art Bryles, the head coach at Baylor. And Bryles said, he's ridiculously competitive. He would rip your heart out of your chest and watch it stop beating. Uh, that kind of killer instinct. And, and so I, I wanted to ask Corey, you know, well, wh- what did you think? after? <laughs> did you guys talk about that quote <laughs> afterwards? Like if, if someone said that about me, I'd want to talk to them after. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, Corey said, well, yeah, I mean, I, uh, what did I think? I said, it's true. You know, so they, you know he, was, he was very matter-of-fact about it. Uh, I thought he came, off, he came off well in the interview. He seemed like a very likable kid and uh, a guy that looked at He's very, very talented. A lot of physical gifts with Corey Coleman. Uh, coming off a sports hernia injury, yes. played through it during the season, is not taking part in 
the uh, he is doing the jump yep. and the bench press, I believe he said. Yeah. He, he's not running the 40. Yep, he just started running full bore this past week. So uh, we'll see for how he'll run in the pro day. Uh, but well, over under. I think those are the two guys that people are talking about round one right now. Pretty solid. But I think when you talk about other guys, you know, Braxton Miller, could he sneak in? Uh, could Josh Doxson from TCU, could he sneak in? Tyler Boyd, could he sneak in? I'm going to go under. I'm going to say it's two. Interesting, yeah. I don't know that any of those three. Now, I think Tyler Boyd should. I think Tyler Boyd could. We'll see how he runs this week, yes. and I think that'll, that'll help him out. To me, I look at Boyd, and I think he's – I think Boyd is the best player, the best receiver in the class uh, overall. But, uh, no, I, I think it'll still be under when it's all said and done. Uh, I felt like I took over just because I feel like you have to have three in there. Yeah. It feels it would be odd for a draft to have three first-round yep. wide receivers, especially with the wide receivers we've seen the last couple of years. Sure. But at the same time, the reason, I, and I fought this because obviously there aren't three, like, definitive guys. But also, you look at who was really productive from the rookie standpoint last year and look at Minnesota Vikings' Stephon Diggs, who was taken in the fifth round. Yep. You could just get more bang for your buck later on. So you almost don't need to force that first-round selection. And with some good quality offensive linemen, the defensive line class is outstanding. I just feel like it's going to push – certain positions down, possibly out of the first round. And, you know, I, I went over, but it, I think it's going to be three. If it's going to be over, I think it's going to be just at three. Yeah, it's, that'll be a tough one. All right, next up here, how many receivers drafted by the Eagles? France at the mark at .5. I took the over. I feel like just – You think they'll need, definitely draft a I think receiver. they're going to draft one at some point. Okay. I mean – now, of course, you're saying best player available. What if the right. receiver does come up? Yes, I think that's a situation, but it's a, it's a position that certainly I look for the Eagles to address. They, again, they need to get more production out of it. Um, I like the, the three young guys. You want to see them grow and develop, but that doesn't mean – that doesn't preclude you from adding another to the mix, yep. and nor should it. I don't – if the Eagles were to take – if Laquan Treadwell is there at number 13 and you're the Eagles, do you take him? And it's going to be a good topic of debate. If you view him as a top you ten view prospect, him as a top fine. 10 prospect. Take him. Yep. Great. And because he's not a, he's a skill set that you don't really necessarily have right Correct. now at the receiver position. Good, good point there. Um, you know, it's almost going back to when the Detroit Lions were taking right. receivers with the top couple picks. I mean, you know, just because something didn't work out one year, don't stay away from it or don't shy away from it. But at the same time, again, I still want to see Aguilar. I still want to see Huff and still see Matthews develop and grow. So um, I still think at some point they take one. I, I took the over. Yeah, and I, I don't blame you. I think that uh, to me it will be very, very interesting. I'm going to go the under, though. I, I think, you know, you look at offensive line, I think that it, I would be surprised if there wasn't one quarterback taken at some point in the draft class. You know, I think how, how he mentioned uh, yesterday when he met with the media about the running back position. You look at linebacker, you look at defensive line, the secondary. You go there's a lot, any, you there's go a lot of areas. There's a lot of areas that you can address. Yeah. And so uh, we'll see, but I, I'll take the under. Get all excited there. You go anywhere. You go, go anywhere. anywhere. That's it. All right. Uh, next up, quarterbacks drafted in the top ten. You set the over-under at two and a half. I go under. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm thinking that this is going to be like a – 2011 draft class where Cam Newton was the number one pick, no questions asked. Here it seems like probably it seems like Goff and Wentz are going to be the top ten guys. And it may not be the case, but those seem to be the – you look at most mock drafts, those are the two that go in the, who go in the top ten. The question is, will Lynch, Cook, you know, whoever you want to put in the next tier, Hackenberg, whomever – are they going to go – I don't know if they're going to go top ten. Right. So, if we're looking at the top ten, I think it's going to be two. I'm going to take the under. What if it was one and a half? I'd probably take the over. I, I'm you probably think thinking – You think two guys will I go think top two ten? Go, I think two go. And, you know, let's, let's play the mock draft game as – You know, I think when you look at the mock drafts right now, and it's interesting because uh, – I'm trying to find the, uh, there are the draft teams. order we've, we've right here. We've talked about this a little bit. Uh, in the past, but if you mm -hmm. look at the, the top ten. All right, so Tennessee, no. Tennessee's no, got Mario. Sure. They're, they're good. Cleveland, they need a quarterback. 
you yes. know. It's, I would say I would, that's the I would safe be really surprised bet. if they didn't take a quarterback. Yeah. yeah, the only thing there is, you know, free agency hasn't happened yet. And it's not like there's going to be a ton of options there. But what if they're like, look, we'll bring in whomever, some, some veteran to kind of stem the tide. And then they just say, look, maybe they think Joey Bosa, Jalen Ramsey, whomever doesn't get picked number one that think is too good to pass up on, you take them. Miles Jack. Right. Fran. Sure. But, you know, to me, I think you could go about this two ways. We could look at it all. Oh, these, these are teams that probably wouldn't. But who are the teams that possibly could? See, there's some wild card teams. There absolutely San are. Diego's San Diego's a wild card team. San Diego's a wild card. Dallas, Dallas is a wild, wild card. card team. San Francisco. San Francisco is a the running there. Team. Miami's got a new coaching staff. You know, yeah. uh, they gave Ryan Tannehill a deal, but it's a new staff. Yeah, very true. You know, uh, in Chicago. You know, what, are, what? How do they feel about Jay Cutler long term? Those are, and they're outside of the top ten, but they pick ahead of the Eagles. So there's a lot. There's a few teams there that could potentially could be the wild cards. add a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, so what's your take? I still so sort two and a half top again. We're talking top ten. I'm going under. I, I would go under as well. I was interested to see how you felt about it, but right. I would go two and a half. Uh, now, quarterbacks drafted by the Eagles, you set the over-under at .5. Uh, it's over. I, I almost – I think you can almost take that to the bank. Yeah. Regardless – I'm going to tell you right now, regardless of Sam Bradford, regardless yeah. of free and see whatever happens, they seem intent on wanting to get back to the model of, you know, what Doug saw from his time in Green Bay, from what he saw – what we saw with the Eagles and Andy Reid, it's even if you have a guy, you draft, you develop, and if he doesn't push the starter, you move him for – he's an asset. We he's talked about asset. that on the podcast yesterday. You have another asset to work with. Uh, just uh, I almost think that's a lock at this point that you're taking someone. 100% agree. Easy enough there. Draft slot for Hunter Henry. I love the draft slot game. Yes, this is a good one. Uh, Shaq Thompson was the uh, debatable one last year. Yep. Uh, I think we debate Eric Kendricks as well. Yep. There are a few. Eric Rowe, I believe we debated last Did year. Did we? Last year as well. Oh, yeah. I want to go back and find that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hunter Henry, so projected by most experts to be the number one tight end. Yep. Do you agree? Disagree on that? I 100% agree. I, I think that he's certainly the number one tight end in this Gotcha. Class. So, now here's an interesting scouting report. This is something we were going to bring up in draft buzz but didn't, that uh, Brian Brodus, who writes for Dallas Cowboys' website, you know, as a scouting former back, scout. Yep. former scout, scouting background, called Hunter Henry a terrible blocker. Okay. Okay. But is that something that you can teach? Is that something that you know maybe he didn't have to block? It's it's almost you're not expecting guys to be able to block. Right. At this point, for the tight end position, that at this point, it's have they shown that they are willing to do it? Yeah, uh, they're strong enough to do it, and that you can you can teach. Yep, and that's the that's the big thing. And to me, you know, when I watched Henry in 2014 as a sophomore, I questioned whether or not I thought he could be a, he could turn into a good blocker. You know, and it was a run heavy offense. Mm -hmm. You know, but Brett Bielema, he want to run the football. He had Collins, he had Jonathan Williams. They ran the ball a lot, and you know, Henry was. Okay at best as a blocker. Okay. I thought he really came on this year, though. Yeah, Was he a dominant player at the point of attack? No. Uh, but I thought that this year he got better in terms of his technique. I thought he got better in terms of his effort. You know, I thought he played with a good base at times. But in terms of, you know, just owning defenders at the point of attack wasn't necessarily his strength. I do think he can improve there. We've seen that with Zach Gertz. I think he can yeah. get better there. I wouldn't say he's terrible. No. I think Hunter Henry is very good, though. They, you know, they had to... You know, they, when they lost Williams, you know, they had some issues this year at Arkansas. He became a focal point of that offense. And, you know, a, a guy that showed the ability to be a very good route runner at the, at the college level for the tight end position. He's got outstanding hands, outstanding ball skills to be able to go up and win. Talked about that with Tyler Boyd. He's got very similar skills Hunter Henry does. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of Greg Olson uh, now with the Carolina Panthers. Obviously the focal point of that offense this past season as a tight end. Uh, I think Henry's a really good player. To me, he's a top 40 talent. I'll be interested to see if he goes top 40. So your draft slot was 40, 40 and, and a half. half. Yeah. Last year, Max Williams yep. was the top tight end. Yep. Uh, Max with two X's, went to the Baltimore Ravens, kid out of Minnesota, went to the Ravens at with a 55th yeah. pick. Not ah. saying, obviously, because he was the first tight end with 55 last year, Dell, sure. or two this year. 
I think that I like Henry more, and I have to go back and look and see really how I felt. But I think just off the top of my head, it's not necessarily recency bias. I think that I like Henry more than I liked Max. Okay, Bruce. I just looking at the positions of strength. I, I haven't like looked to say okay, who of these, you know, top ten teams who are selecting like Tennessee? Could they use a matchup weapon outside of Delaney Walker? Tennessee? Okay, maybe. You know, Chargers. You know, obviously Gates is getting older. Maybe they can use one. I, I went with the over, but I think it's very close. It's yeah. going to be in that in that range, but I I took the over on this one. So just looking at the the strength of when you get into that fifteen to fifty or so range, it seemed like it's a very good crop of players there this year, and a lot of defensive linemen. You know, it could be a run on the offensive tackles. Yeah. Um, you know, where where are some of these receivers we talked about where yep. they fall? I, I, it's going to be very close. I took slightly over. I, I'll, I'm going to take the under, and probably slightly under, but I'll take the yeah. under. So there you go. One. I like it. All right, so it's time to round things out with your questions in our draft mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. All right, time to round things out in our draft mailbag. The first question comes from James Holmes, at JamesHolmes81 on Twitter. Could any of the quarterbacks be more productive or give the Eagles a better chance to win next season than Sam Bradford? I think next season is the key thing there. Okay. I don't know that I would say next season a rookie could definitely come in and be more productive and lead the Eagles to more wins right away than Sam Bradford. I think it's a fair statement. Could but it happen? Sure. Could. Of course but it could. Hey, there's Jimmy Kemsky, Radio Ah, Radio Jimmy Kemsky, everyone. Look at that. Um, you know, I could it happen? Absolutely. But I, I think that in terms of immediate payback, immediate dividends for a rookie quarterback typically are not very high. So you just got to keep that in mind. But it'll be awesome to watch the development and, and see what they turn into. No question. Was the question just about rookie quarterbacks? Could any of the, I would imagine it's just about rookie quarterbacks. Okay. We put it out for we, okay. we teased for. I know, I'm just for I'm journey. just saying. It's, you know, if it was sure. thinking possible for agency. All right. Uh, Spurs for life on Twitter at Ryan four three zero one wants to know what's more likely to happen: drafting a QB or signing one in free agency. I think draft is more likely because Done we deal. just talked about that. We, we just talked about for it. For sure. Now, if he means is it more likely that we draft one in the first round or sign one in no, the first round. No, it just says draft. Just says draft. Just says draft. All right, all right, let's change it. What's more likely, draft one in the first round or sign one in free agency? Hmm. Now it becomes a tougher question. That is a much tougher <laughs> question, yes. Uh, I would say in that instance, you sign – if I'm including Bradford in right. signing free agency, yep. then I would sign in free agency. I think so too. Just because if we're talking about round one, getting at, being at 13, you get nervous. Now, I think Howard Roseman has done a phenomenal job of playing the draft. Yep. We've Always heard has. the story. We've heard the stories of, you know, Chip Kelly wanted this guy in this round, and Howie said, "No, let's hold off, and you'll be able to get him later on." I think he's been very, very good at that. Yep. I just. I would be very nervous to be sitting there at 13, hoping if if you're saying you're, you're in one of the rookie quarterback, you want one of these rookie quarterbacks. Oh, let's wait till 13. Right. Uh, I just don't. Yep. Yeah. I very, 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 very tough situation there. So I will say if, if you're talking about round one, I'll go free and see. If we're talking about just drafting overall, I think it's that's. I guess it. I feel like I, at this point yeah. it's very close to. As certain sure thing. will certainly happen. I, I feel I would agree. Next question comes from Tyler Bolton at T Bolt Ten. What's your opinion of Cardell Jones? He knows that you like Christian Hackenberg, but they both seem like draft enigmas. I think they're both. So what do you got? I think they're both enigmas in that up and down play. You don't know what you're going to get. You had the three great games from Cardell Jones in 2014 to close out the season, mm -hmm. won the national championship, got benched numerous times this past season as a junior. What are you going to get? Christian Hackenberg started out hot as a true freshman, was a future number one pick. James Franklin comes in, he goes down the toilet. What, what do we got? To me, when I'm just looking at traits, Christian Hackenberg is a much better prospect. I think that he, Cardell Jones, we talked about him last night, yeah. in terms of the physical upside, it's similar 
Yeah. I think I still think that Hackenberg has a stronger arm overall. Cardon Jones is a better athlete overall. You think Hack has a stronger arm? I think Hackenberg has a stronger arm okay. than Cardell. Uh, but I, I think that Cardell, or I think that Hackenberg, excuse me, much further along and working in the pocket. I think that and uh, Cardell Jones mentioned this today that he thinks that he's getting undersold a little bit in terms of his mental aspect of his yeah. game. Yeah, he said he can't wait to get on the board. Yep. with the teams, and that very well may be true. You know, we, you and I, don't know that when we when, in terms of how they are on the board. It's tough at times to see that on t on film with that Ohio State offense. But I always thought he took did a really good job taking care of the football. Was smart with the football, especially in that three game run mm -hmm. you know, on the way to the national championship. I think that he's a really intriguing player. To me, it's still hack. Okay. Uh, let's see here. I was trying to see if there was anything I was going to add. Did you think – how funny did you think it was when Bill O'Brien is talking at yeah. one podium and, you know, on the other side of the room, directly across the room, Christian Hackenberg is talking. That's the, that's the hookup. That's this year's Chip Kelly, Marcus Mariota. And, uh, and, well, they didn't have the two of them talking at the same time, no. which would have been very interesting. But, you know, Hack was asked, well, how much – of course, yes. <laughs> well aware of that one. But yep. um, but the thing is, Hackenberg was like, well, how would you like to reunite with Bill Bryant? He, he said the right things. It's, I want to be a better player. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, absolutely. And Bill O'Brien said the right thing. You know, everyone said, oh, you know, how do you feel about Christian Hackenberg? And Bill O'Brien answered, he's a really talented player, but there's a lot of really talented quarterbacks course, in this class. Yeah. So both said the right things. Exactly. All right. Uh, we're going to let T-Bolt 10 double dip here on the podcast. Oh, yeah. How about sure, that? Sure, sure. Why not? All right, why Get not? Get both in. Why not? Wait, 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 wait. So is he Tyler or Taylor? I don't know. I think it's Tyler. <laughs> I think you typed yours in wrong. I copied and pasted. Oh, maybe he's wow. Taylor then. <laughs> All right. Taylor Bolton. T-Bolt we'll, we'll, 10. We'll reach out to you. So are you reaching out to him right now, friend? I, I'm going to confirm. All right, you confirm. See if you get an answer back. Uh, his second question, who could you see as a defensive back option for the Eagles in the third round or later? Who could you see as a secondary player that could realistically be there for the Eagles in the third round or later? Yes. Taylor Bolton. Taylor. Taylor. Gotcha. Taylor Bolton. Okay. Secondary so third round or later. You know, I think that if you look at the corner position, I think there's some interesting players. I think that Xavier Howard is a guy that's not getting any pub right now that deserves it and should be better than a third-round pick. Will he be? I don't know. We'll see. Who knows at this point? I think Xavier Howard's a really intriguing player at the cornerback position. To me, I think he's going to be a top five corner for me when this is all said and done. He's got Baylor. good size. He's athletic. Former high school quarterback, uh, converted to the defensive side of the football in college, and really, really showed a natural ability to be a man coverage player at the next level. I think Xavier Howard is a really intriguing player. Cleveland Wallace, a little bit undersized. I think he, he profiles more as a slot player at the next level, as a junior from San Jose State that I was really intrigued by, his athleticism, his ability to play in man coverage. I thought he showed really good ability to play, uh, to hip pocket with receivers downfield. Is a transfer from Washington, so started as a big-time recruit, had to transfer home to San Jose State for personal issues. Uh, he's from San Jose area, okay. so uh, a really interesting player as well. And then you look at the safety position. I, I'm a big fan of DeAndre Houston Carson from William & Mary. I'm a big fan of a kid who didn't get I can't believe he didn't get invited here. Kevin Byard from Middle Tennessee I think will be a mid-round, a mid-to-late-round guy. You know, I think you talk about Keanu Neal is a guy who's getting some love, and some people think he may go higher. But, you know, in terms of being a strong safety, how, where do those guys typically draft? We saw Landon Collins go early round two last year. Will Keanu Neal get drafted in that same area? That's, That's a, a Florida question. safety, right? Yeah, Florida safety. A Pauline, huge hitter. Pauline huge. said that teams are high on him. I, he, I, he always stood out to me because okay. whenever you watch him, he is just flying to the football. And I remember 2014, so two seasons ago, they were playing Alabama. And I was watching, uh, I was watching at the time T.J. Yeldon, and Derrick Henry was in the game for Alabama. So I'm like, oh, I watched a little Derrick Henry. Knew he was coming up, so you know, <laughs> watching. Well, and this bit, safety yeah. comes downhill and just smacks Derrick Henry at 245 pounds, just cold cocks him uh, for like a three-yard gain. And I said, Who is this kid? Derrick Henry is 245 pounds. Yeah, not, not Keanu, Keanu Neal. Not Keanu Neal. <laughs> Keanu Neal is a 216 yeah, pounds. I'm just saying. He's, he's got a 30-pound disadvantage just completely laid out Derrick Henry. And I said, well, who is this kid? I put him down. I wrote him down. I said, I, I watch this kid in the future. Made a number of other big hits the more I watched Florida. 
So then I watched him and I thought, okay, you know, always flashed. He's a big hitter, always flashed on tape. I watched him. I really liked him. You know, he's more athletic than I think people give him credit for. Okay. I think he's going to test better than a lot of these other strong safety types that are here uh, at the Combine. I'm really intrigued to see how Keanu Neal looks as well. How is uh, Cincinnati Wallace? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. It's <laughs> good. Our last question comes from Sam Steyer at S underscore to the underscore AM. Jalen Ramsey, future All-Pro. Yes. Uh, Should we just leave it at, at that? Yeah. Well, Mike Mayock compared him earlier, and I've said this in the past that, you know, I think that uh, I think that Ramsey could be a Patrick Peterson type player. He's got that kind of length and athleticism. Mayock said the same thing this past week in his conference call. Wherever, but he can line up anywhere. In, though. That's what I mean. Nickel, wherever, outside, safety. Wherever Ramsey ends up for an NFL defense. He's going to be a huge contributor to that defense. The defense coordinator is going to love him because you've got that guy that can play up on a tight end, that can play up on a receiver on the outside, that can play deep, that can play short. I mean, he's he's a really competitive. We talked about that competitive, that, that toughness at the cornerback position. Yeah. He's got that. Ramsey's a really fun player to watch. So that's going to do it for us. Great questions. Thank you very much for sending them in. And that will do it for another edition of the Jury to the Draft podcast presented by AAA again. Wherever you're listening to our podcast, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, or just right on Philadelphia.com or mobile app or the m.website, thank you very much for the support. Make sure to rate and comment and let us know what you want to hear in the future. For Fran Duffy, I'm Chris McPherson. We will be back on Friday with another edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA.